Elijah Moore, wide receiver traded from the New York Jets to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, actually, a lot of implications here for both teams. Yeah. Clear what the Jets are doing. And this is starting to be pretty clear what the Cleveland Browns are going to be doing on offense as well. Coming up on today's Peacock and Williamson. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson bring you expert NFL analysis every day in less than 30 minutes. Get an inside look into the NFL on the field and in the front office. With elite breakdowns, next-level analysis, and in-depth information only for the real NFL fans. This is Peacock and Williamson, and it starts now. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock alongside Matt Williamson at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of PNW is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today to get started. All right. That's fun. Got a little trade. And it's kind of been a long time coming. Former Jets wide receiver Elijah Moore has been asking for a trade for a while. Finally gets his wish. Multiple moves from the New York Jets to get into from this trade. But first, just the actual trade here. A swapping of second and third round picks between the Browns and the Jets. So the Jets send Elijah Moore and their third round pick number 74 overall to the Cleveland Browns for the Browns second round pick in this year's draft, which is th- those picks are exactly one round apart there. So um, the Jets move up around by trading away Elijah Moore. And with Elijah Moore's talent, and you look at this trade talent alone, it's a big loss for the Jets. who just drafted him in the second round, and he's shown plenty of tape in college and in the NFL that he's got talent, but clearly not a fit, I guess, for the New York Jets uh, in the Jets or Elijah Moore's own opinion. Yeah, and first off, Ryan McDowell and I did a whole show last night on Locked On Dynasty about the ramifications. If you're interested in the fantasy world, go check that out. But that correlates even if you're not fantasy you know, oriented. And Ryan and I, since before Moore got drafted, I'm not sure what your thoughts are, are on him, BP, but I think you were high on him. But we loved him. I love the player. I, I know mean, he was your guy. You, you were yeah. all about Elijah Moore, so you have to love this deal for Cleveland. I love this deal for Cleveland. As soon as I saw it, I'm like, oh, why did the Steelers do the same deal? And I'm sure there were others out there. Um, you know, there wasn't a massive price to pay. You actually laid it out better. What what ex- what exactly did it cost the Browns? So it cost the Browns pick 42 in the second round, and they got a mm-hmm. third rounder back as well. So it was a full round that they lost. And if you look at the old Jimmy Johnson trade chart with just an yeah. algorithm from 3,000 points to zero points from the first draft to the or first pick in the draft to the last, uh, the value they gave up was about 240 points on the chart, which is a, essentially a third rounder in the mm-hmm. round in the about pick 70 in the NFL draft. So essentially they gave up the value of pick 70 in the draft for Elijah Moore. So you ask, well, why the pick swap? Well, because the Cleveland Browns don't have a third round pick this year because it is owned by the Houston Texans right. as part of the Deshaun Watson trade. So since they didn't have a third round pick, they had to do this pick swap to essentially give the Jets that high third round value, which is which ended up being you know a pick swap for from uh, seventy four for forty two to go along with Elijah Moore. So that's how the Cleveland Browns got the third round value to the Jets for this player. They had to give up a second, but they got a third back. So since we're talking value and seconds and third rounders and all that stuff that you just laid out, I'm going to talk about Elijah Moore in a second. But it's funny because we recorded that podcast last night, like. 
two minutes after the news broke. We're like, perfect, let's record a podcast. You know, usually it's the opposite. It's right after you hit the, the, the stop button, something pops. But, <laughs> but as we were talking through it, I threw this out there that I wonder if the Jets, and this is something you and I have talked about a lot, the Jets don't want to give up the first for Rodgers. But what if they said to the Packers, what if I can come up with two twos? You know what I mean? I love like, that. Yeah. yeah. It could be even Maybe. more to this. It's like, what way can right. we get a second round pick that we can then send to the Packers because we're not going to give up our first. And I think that would be the smart way to do it. And some people have, you know, thought that maybe the trade won't happen until after the draft. So then the Jets say, well, we already used our pick, so we can't send you anything in this year's draft. So now you have to take next year's pick. Or maybe the the Jets or maybe the the Packers prefer a next year's first round pick because they want to see what happens with Jordan Love. So um, I would say future picks, maybe it's two twos that ends up happening. So maybe this helps grease the wheels on an Aaron Rodgers trade. And I hadn't really thought about that angle, but it makes perfect sense. And clearly this is all about Aaron Rodgers bringing everybody he wants to town. There's, uh, and it was pretty clear once they signed Miko Hardman, it's like, okay, what the heck are the Jets doing right now? They got to be trading somebody, and Elijah Moore is the guy that wants out. And then, boom, less than 24 hours later, Elijah Moore does get shipped out of town. So now the the, the New York Jets wide receiver group looks like this. Rook, reigning rookie of the year, Garrett Wilson, is wide receiver. He's your number one. Yeah, I don't yeah, care who Aaron Rodgers likes and right. wants to bring in. I don't care if they bring in Odell Beckham Jr., which is the latest, very right. real, so weird, uh, right. according to sources, report that, that Odell Beckham could even be added to this group. But you've got Garrett Wilson. You've got Alan Lazard, who they signed for $11 million per year, who's Aaron Rodgers' boy. Uh, they just brought in Miko Hardman now. And if they bring in Odell that means Odell, or that means Michael Hardman's on a one-year, six-point-five million-dollar deal to be the fourth wide receiver. So I'm still not sure about the Odell stuff. And Odell seems to be connected to a different team every day, which makes me think that his agent putting that stuff out there and trying to create a market. And there was the report that Odell wanted twenty million dollars, and Odell himself is like, I don't want no twenty million dollars, but I definitely want more than four million dollars. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what his offers were looking like in the four million dollar range. So we'll see what happens with Odell Beckham Jr. He could potentially uh, join that group, and he's buddies with Aaron Rodgers. But clearly, this is all about getting Aaron Rodgers to town with the New York Jets. Yeah, and they also still have Corey Davis, who I expected to get cut weeks ago. You know, maybe he could end up in Green Bay. The the, the Packers are acting like Corey Davis is already on their roster. Packers fans that that I've dealt with and talked to about this. Everybody assumes that Corey Davis is part of that package. But you're right. I don't see how Corey Davis could be part of that that wide receiver group, and I didn't even include him because I'm so sure that he's in the I mean, he's not going to be a Jet. I think we know that. You know, I mean, I think that's certain Odell aside, whatever. So those two twos, Corey Davis, future pick, some combination of that stuff, I imagine will go to Green Bay. But who knows? And that's speculation. So Corey Davis aside, I think what the Jets accomplished here was them and Elijah Moore didn't get along. I mean, that was obvious. I mean, he was grumpy there. He's been in the doghouse in and out. And I want to talk about him as a player maybe on this, in the next segment and what the Browns are getting. But I also think the, the Jets receiving core was a little redundant before. Like, if Wilson's your one, he's your alpha, Miko and Lazard are all very different. I mean, it's more of a basketball team now. Lazard's almost like a small, a small tight end that'll block and work as a big slot. Miko's the 4-2 guy that takes the top off. Wilson does everything, but he can be in the slot. He could be outside. So I think they have a wider variety of receivers, maybe a more Rodgers friendly, whatever. That's obviously part of the mix and Lazard factors in that way. But I do think the Jets now have a, I don't want to say even better, 
but it's a very different top three receivers. And it's a really easy way to steal a draft pick, too. If, if you know that Elijah mm-hmm. Moore is not going to be part of your plans and you soured on that, you go sign Miko Hardman and you're like, look, there's a one for one. We got a pick and we got a, re- a receiver to replace him in our yeah, lineup, yeah. If, even if we don't do anything else. By the way, they still have Denzel Mims, former second round pick as well on the right. New York Jets roster. You know, it's funny. I just took a peek at Twitter really quick and trending on the side was Corey Davis, the name Corey Davis. So I think that's really? everyone's talking about the same thing. Like, well, Corey Davis has to go now too, right? What's he, what's, what's going to happen here? So really interesting with the New York Jets and what they're doing and angling for Aaron Rodgers. Are we one step closer now to Aaron Rodgers becoming officially a New York Jet? We'll find out, I think, very soon there. Yeah. And again, maybe this second round pick just gives them, like you said, greases the wheels to make the trade a little easier. That was my first thought was now they have a different, different cards in their hands to talk with the Packers. And maybe it's just an easier way to get that done. Who knows? I mean, uh, we've speculated about this trade down for months. (laughs) How does that offense look though? Rogers. Brees Hall. Brees Hall. Those three receivers. Garrett Wilson, add Odell Beckham to it, Alan Lazard, and Miko Hardman. I don't know if I'm buying the Odell stuff. I'm kind of with you, but right. Yeah. Yeah. It it feels unnecessary, but it feels possible in Mm -hmm. some ways, too. Yeah, it does. With Odell or without, that's a dynamic offense with Aaron Rodgers plopped in there, a Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah, it is. And the parasite ends that are decent. You know, I mean, those guys are fine. Conklin and Kraft or Croft. I mean, they're they're fine. And I would bet if they can hold on to that first round pick, that's going to be one of the top three left tackles. There you go. New Stop York making Stop moves. Bad. Cleveland Browns making moves too. And what is the Cleveland Browns side of this looking like? What what is this year two with and and full year with Deshaun Watson at quarterback going to look like on offense now with Elijah Moore and the Cleveland Browns and we've got an overflow uh mailbag question Matt uh okay. and it kind of ties into the Jets with uh with the miss on their number two overall quarterback a couple of years ago and if that pick is maybe even cursed in the NFL draft drafting a quarterback number two overall we'll get to that next Today's episode of Peacock and Williamson is brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And it's turning time, and that means it's the perfect time to download FanDuel. And new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Safe, secure, super easy to use. Love the website. Love the interface on the app. So easy to build your own bets. Then Bet on everything, money lines, point scores, threes drained, props for all the tournament games, NBA season getting close to the playoffs, NHL season getting close to the playoffs. We've got Major League Baseball starting up next week. So much fun all season long, all summer long, and of course those NFL draft props as well. Plus FanDuel lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, Matt, Cleveland Browns, what are they up to here? And uh, is this a, a huge win for the Cleveland Browns on offense? I'm, I'm having trouble just because it, it's, I feel like there's, we didn't quite see last year what the vision was with the Deshaun Watson led right. Browns. And maybe we'll start to see that in 2023 and maybe we'll start to see a much different Browns team. 
Yeah, uh, real quick, I kind of want to get my profile on Moore. I, 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 again, I adored him coming out of school, loved his rookie year. I suffered through him in fantasy last year, despite you know no production, kept thinking he was going to burst out. I own him in every dynasty league. And I often reference Matt Harmon and his reception perception. He's been on the show. If you're going to talk receivers, you're crazy not to reference it. Um, check that out. But coincidentally, probably not coincidentally, but he put out a new Elijah Moore uh, profile two days before he got traded. So I just went to the site to look up, you know, what he had on him and he had it totally updated, which was great. Maybe he saw this on the wall or writing on the wall or whatever. Maybe it was just his turn to get profiled. But he even showed last year, despite not putting up the fantasy numbers and the production people wanted, that he was still exceptional versus man and zone. He was getting open and not getting the football. So maybe that's why he was frustrated. I mean, we know what was going on at quarterback there, you know. Right. And, right. and if you look at his numbers with Zach Wilson without, they're way better without Zach Wilson at quarterback. So right. just yeah. a competent quarterback play probably would have helped a lot there. But when you're a squeaky wheel and you're a young sure. player on a team and you're not even the starting wide receiver, uh, yeah. I, I just, just drafted yeah, Garrett Wilson. Really, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, and maybe he didn't go about it the right way. Who knows? You know, whatever. Yeah. And, and who knows if we're hearing about it, you know. If you're hearing about it in Pittsburgh and I'm hearing about it in California and they're playing in New York, there's probably a, it's probably a lot louder of a squeaky wheel in New York and in the building than, than we're hearing about it. Yeah. Or on the practice field or on game day right. and all that kind of stuff. Maybe he's a distraction. I don't know, but he is very competent outside the numbers in a traditional role and in the slot. I would say he's probably better in the slot and with the Browns, he'll do most of his work in the slot. You know, people's Jones is definitely an outside guy. Amari can do both, but he's more of your classic X, you know, I mean, at the line of scrimmage, number one type receiver, but I think he's still an excellent player. His film is really good. I agree with Matt Harmon that he is consistently getting open. He's done his part of the job. Now, we referenced this on the Dynasty podcast last night that Matthew Barry, who everyone knows, you know, uh, he he writes an article every week. I saw him at the Combine. And he talks to people like crazy at the Combine. The 35 things or whatever I learned at the Combine. And one of his big nuggets was kind of as you referenced, the Browns want to play offense differently with Deshaun. They want three, maybe even four receivers on the field count Najoku as a receiver and they want Deshaun in the shotgun throwing it all over the place. You know, they let Kareem Hunt go. Johnson just signed somewhere else. Maybe they won't resign Chubb when the time is right. And they're going to be a lot less Chubb and running back reliant than they have been. And what they've done's worked, but they've had Brissett and Baker and guys like that at quarterback, not guys that are $70 million cap hits. You know? So they're going to cater themselves to Deshaun more than we saw last year, at least according to Barry. And that makes a ton of sense. And unless there's any new uh, filings and, and, and uh, you know, uh, any trials or whatever is going on with Deshaun Watson right, 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 right. the last couple of years, uh, the, the quietest, most normal full off season, full season for Deshaun Watson. You have to expect a, a jump in his play with the Browns this year. And just looking at what else the Browns did here, because we haven't talked a lot about the Browns in free agency, kind of quiet, but kind of, I really like their moves that they put together here. They did sign Dalvin Tomlinson in the middle of that defensive line, four year, $57 million contract. They added Juan Thornhill from Kansas city to start at free safety for them. Three years, $21 million and Oboe Okunrokwo, a um, edge rusher, kind of stand up speed type of rusher, a player I really like and has kind of been underrated and, and had a slow start to in his, his NFL career, three year, $19 million 
uh, deal there to bring in a little bit more pass rush and then some more moves on their, you know, front seven. And, and now they've added uh, Elijah Moore, who, you know, talent wise should really help this offense. So, you know, quiet, but really good offseason, I think, so far for Cleveland. I, I think so as well. I, I thought that that was a nice work by them. I thought Tomlinson was a bit of an overpay, but their defensive tackles last year were horrendous. And really the middle of their defense needed a lot of work. And I I, I think this more trade helps them a lot. I think up the middle, they're a lot better. Um, Uncle Ronkro was one of my favorite, quote, sleeper free agents. I mean, and yeah, I think a guy like that was – doesn't get a lot of opportunity to rush the passer with a lead when you're the Texans. You know, I mean, how often is the opponent in third and eight or do you have a 14 point lead and the crowd's going crazy, but he got more and more rep or more and more playing time as the season went on. And the second half of the season, he embraced it and was excellent. So I think the Browns have done some good things. Um, Obviously the whole key is Watson. He needs to play a thousand times better than he did last year. And I don't know how to value him. You know, like we often talk about him in, on Dynasty. Like, where would you rather have him or Tua for Dynasty? Would you rather have him or, you know, he, he can be the third best quarterback in the league in terms of production and value and all those things. But he all he, he has a lot of excuses for being bad last year. You know, right. I mean, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it, nobody it, wants to give him the benefit of the doubt. I get that. But excuse season is over for the Cleveland Browns for mm-hmm. sure. Um, it, and the it would seem to be a buy a buy low buy medium sort of a situation with the Browns as far as fantasy is concerned. Whether it's Deshaun Watson, Cooper, um, uh, you know, maybe even Chubb with even, no Hunt yeah. there, maybe even uh, Elijah Moore. Like I, I feel like this is a sort of a buy low team and a sneaky good team, and it's a team that you covering the Steelers have seen so much of. Mm-hmm. I used to work for them. Uh, were they? Is this like? Is this a, a division winning squad they've got? They've got in Cleveland. I don't know. Uh, I'm surprised. I thought. Well, to go back to the suspension, the NFL hurt the Browns as bad as they could because last year was the year they were all in, and they took 11 games away from them. You know, basically of their star quarterback that they were counting on, which crippled them for 2022. And I expected. This offseason and this upcoming year for their roster to be worse and then to be worse, you know, because you put so much into the quarterback, but they restructured Watson and they're kicking the can. So they're they're looking at this still as their window, which is the right move. And I think they're probably I mean, I'd probably put them ahead of the Steelers. I don't know what to think of the Ravens. The Bengals are definitely one, you know, but I, I, if Baltimore doesn't have Lamar, they're four. <laughs> if they do, they're probably two. And right. So yeah. there's still a lot of turmoil in the division. Really interesting division. And yeah. uh, not done with the storylines in the AFC North this offseason either. Okay, uh, I've got a good question here from one of our loyal listeners. And it as it, it, it kind of ties into the Jets with what they did at the number two overall pick in the 2021 draft with Zach Wilson. What maybe a team is about to do with the number two pick in the 2023 NFL draft. So we'll get to that question. Is the number two pick in the draft cursed? And what's look like for teams that traded up for quarterbacks into the top five as well next? Here's a question. From Jeff on Twitter. And it goes like this. It's an interesting one to ponder here in the offseason. Mm-hmm. We get ready for the draft as we've seen teams angling and we see a lot of mock drafts with a lot of quarterbacks very high in the NFL draft. Is drafting a quarterback with a number two overall pick a curse? The last five quarterbacks drafted number two were Zach Wilson, 
Mitch Trubisky, Carson Wentz, Marcus Mariota, and RG3, who all wound up as journeyman quarterbacks at best, and with the likes of Ryan Leaf, Rick Meyer, Burt Jones, also part of that club, seems to be a curse nobody is talking about. Donovan McNabb is the only quarterback at number two in the last 50 years who wasn't a disappointment. Also, Mr. Irrelevant quarterbacks have more playoff wins, according to Jeff, and I think this checks out. Mr. Irrelevant QBs, which is one guy, has more playoff wins, too, than the last five number two overall pick quarterbacks That's crazy. Yeah. have in their entire careers. Wow. I mean... <laughs> well, we could even throw Brady in. I mean, how about all the guys drafted fifth round or later over the last 20 years versus all the number twos? I mean, would it be close, <laughs> yeah, of course. You know. In the first round versus <laughs> right. first round, uh, through, un, through uh, the seventh round. Everyone after, everyone drafted 198th or later, you know, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Mr. Irrelevant thing's funny, but it's also a little bit fluky. I mean, obviously. Right. Yeah. Uh, but the fact that those five have no playoff wins is not fluky. They're, they're all us so they're all they're there is one uh one playoff win which oh, was on to Wentz wasn't a starter but his eagles won games did, did Mariota he play another game? playoff game though maybe maybe he did or maybe Mariota. it had to be Wentz or Mariota, right i would imagine okay yeah. but it's a bad group i mean it's really a bad group <sighs> i don't know how to answer that because the evidence is very very strong and i think there's a lot of ways of looking at it and i'm thinking you know just from a human being perspective is settling for number two a bad idea in any walk of life? You know what I mean? You have your your heart. You know who the best one is. Right. Your job, your wife, your house, your car, whatever. You know, like, I know the one I want. I know the best one. But I'm still going to basically pay the same price for this house or car, even though I know it's number two. You know, like, is that just a bad way to live? Yeah. If he's not good enough to go number one, is he is he good enough? For number two, you know what I mean? It's like it, right, it's right. Be that slam dunk that he's a number one guy and Leaf and and you know it's one of the most famous just because of uh, of how much of a bust Ryan Leaf was and it's really cool to see him turn his life around. I mean, he was, did time and it's like you know, uh, right. and, and now he's he's got his life figured out. And it, it's wild how long it took for him to mature in his life. So that's a big part of it. And it wasn't just physical talent, but that's what a team talks themselves into is the physical talent where you realize that's not the most important attribute to be in a quarterback in the NFL, but it sure helps. And, and a lot of best quarterbacks in the NFL are very talented. So the, the tantalizing nature of those quarterbacks, but you can look through and you look back and you're like, Oh man, okay. Small school guy, North Dakota state. Uh, that's hard to transition a uh, BYU, even the schedule he played. And he was a, you know, a, a, a a trick shot artist as he's been called, which I, which I love with Zach Wilson. It's like, yeah, okay. But is he a really good football player? Trubisky only was good for one year. And you kind of go down the list and you start to yeah. see how teams talk themselves into guys. And then I, I look at this year's class of quarterbacks, which I think at this point we've never, it's never happened, Matt, where four quarterbacks went in the top 10. Oh, no. Right. And, and I don't think this is the best class. This class isn't even as good as the 2021 class. And they didn't, it didn't happen then either, even though, you know, there was Justin Fields and, um, and Mac Jones that were rumored to go as high as pick number three or, or even mm-hmm. two in, in that class. And, and they ended up falling out of the top 10. So uh, I have questions about how high some of these guys are going to go. And if every team is actually going to love all of these quarterbacks that much, especially when you calm down after the combine and people go back to the tape on Anthony Richardson and they're like, oh, that's a, it's maybe a longer term deal than, than we want to get into. Mm-hmm. And then there's this, Matt, and this is not even about the number two pick. This is about every quarterback in the top five the teams have traded up to get since 2011. So going back over a decade, 
These are the quarterbacks that teams have traded up into the top five the top to five. draft at quarterback from most recent to the, the, the most distant 2021 still undecided 49ers Trey Lance, but you know, has mm -hmm. been outplayed so far by Mr. Irrelevant that was re referenced earlier. So Trey Lance in 2021 Niners traded a lot to go up and get very similar trade to what the Panthers pulled off to go up to get number one this year in 2018. The Jets traded up to get Sam Darnold. 2017, Bears traded up one spot to get Mitch Trubisky at number two. So Mitch Trubisky making both of these lists here, a trade up and a number two. So double whammy. In 2016, Rams traded up for Jared Goff. Eagles also traded up in 2016 for Carson Wentz. And in 2012, the Commanders traded up for RG3. So, and none of those quarterbacks have been worth it for those teams. And mm -hmm. only one has an opportunity still to be worth it for that team. And obviously the Panthers are trading up to number one this year, and we're going to see if this is a trend as well. Again, is it settling for number two? Is it falling in love more than you should? Uh, I, I, I mean, I have an issue, though. You, you know, like Leaf and Manning is my favorite one to reference, but almost all of these, there wasn't a slam dunk. I mean, it wasn't like, boy, Winston's so much better than Mariota, or Goff is so much better than Wentz. I mean, luck in RG3 is probably different because he's a rarity. It brings me down a different path, too. I mean, there are some number one overall picks. Lawrence is the most, you know, memorable lately. But Elway, luck, you know, that everyone would have drafted at number one. But other than those guys, there's still a lot of busts at number one, too. I mean, there's a fair yeah. share of Jamarcus Russell's, too. So it's not just the number two thing. I mean, it's making this guy the first or second pick in the draft if he's not a no-brainer. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of those guys bust, too. It's not about the two-slot. It's about talking yourself into a quarterback because you have that need, and it's so important. Mm -hmm. And they're just they're not the guy. But it's also, I think, with the trade stuff, it's telling because right. uh, the, the Colts weren't trading out from luck. They had – they already – then they had Manning. They mm -hmm. had a Hall of Fame quarterback, and they weren't trading out of the luck pick at number one. The Jaguars weren't trading out of – uh, their pick, but the team at three was willing to trade out of their pick. So that's kind of the telling thing. If a team, if a team is willing to trade away from a quarterback, then maybe he's not worth going up to get because if if it was that obvious, the team wouldn't trade out of that spot anyway. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there are some transcendent players, and my favorite athlete of all time is Mario Lemieux, and he's as good a prospect as ever came into the NHL. He's a LeBron type of dude. And there's been lots of, not even rumors, because since he's retired, people have come out and verified it. But, like, the New York Rangers offered the Penguins, you could have any five guys on our roster and all our draft picks for the next three years for the first pick overall. No. You know, like, the Ricky Williams-type trades. You know, like, sorry. You know, like, the Cleveland Cavaliers have the first pick. The year LeBron's coming out. You can't give me enough. You know, it's kind of like the luck situation. But it also brings me back to Manning Leaf. And I know this isn't what we're talking about. And I was a much younger person then. I don't think I was doing this for a living at that point. But I, all I cared about was a draft in NFL. Manning was not a slam dunk number one. I mean, of the Mel's and Todd's and Matthew Miller, all the people that did this for a living, the whole world was split on Manning versus Leaf. If the Colts would have taken Leaf, no would have no one would have criticized them for it, you know? <laughs> and yeah, I, I think it was... And I, I I was I wasn't following it closely like I do now, but right, the way right. I, the way I remember it and the way it feels like is Manning was always the guy, but Leaf was the late Charger. Where it's like, mm -hmm. well, Leaf's bigger, bigger, and right, has right, right. much has a better arm, like, and yeah. that's the sort of talk yourself into it thing. Exactly, um, right, right, right. 
And and so for the longest time for me too, and I grew up on the 49ers with a guy who was 195 pounds and Joe Montana winning mm -hmm. Super Bowls. And you know, I was like, well, I, I don't care how tall you big and you are big you are, how strong your arm is. I, I want the the Joe Montana. I, I want the guy who gets the ball out on time, is cool under pressure, and all those things. And at this point, with what we've seen recently with the Mahomeses and the Josh Allen's. I've kind of flipped on that. It's like, like I'll take Montana still in the third round because he was a third round pick originally. But I'm not taking that guy number one. I'm taking the big, strong arm guy and, and hoping that he hits and hoping he is Josh Allen and I'll, I'll develop him. So I've kind of flipped on that a little bit. But that's also where teams still make a lot of mistakes in, in that that I'm sure will continue. If 21 year old Joe Montana is coming out of Notre Dame this year, you're taking Richardson ahead of him, right? I mean, you don't know he's going to go into win four Super Bowls. Well, and, you know, of course, that's, obviously. That's, right. that's what it comes back. So it was like, I remember back in the day, I was like, oh, Chad Pennington, that's my guy. That's the next Montana. Mm -hmm. I was blown. Niners had multiple first round picks. I was blown away they didn't draft Chad Pennington. It's like, are you kidding me? It's perfect. <laughs> perfect um, game, right. You know, and he had a nice career, but he wasn't Joe Montana. And, you know, Colt McCoy was coming out. I was like, there's my guy, third rounder, winner. You know, yeah. I, I like it. Um, athletic, you know, and, and, and so that's sort of where I'm at with. Especially with the Ohio State Alabama quarterbacks, because we've seen so many and we mm -hmm. see how good they are in college every time. And then we see how difficult it is for them in the NFL because they don't have the guys around them that are that good that make them look so much better. And when it comes to Bryce Young, I'm like, man, you're going to trade up the number one for a 5'10, 195 pound quarterback. You better think he's Joe Montana. That's what you expect. Right, right, right. You think he has so much of everything else that the physical attributes aren't that important. And you could be right about it. But remember, Joe Montana was even bigger than 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 Bryce Young, and he was a third round pick. Like, yeah, it's great if you think this guy's Joe Montana, but Joe Montana himself was a third round pick, you know, and he was a third round pick for a reason because he wasn't super impressive, and he was almost six two, I think. Um, and, and look, he won four Super Bowls, so you would love for Bryce Young to become Joe Montana, but the injuries did ca catch up with Joe Montana. That guy was folded in half multiple times throughout his sure, career. Sure. And he was the second half of his career. He was really banged up and missed a lot of games. And, and so with Bryce young and you're playing more games this year than ever and wild card round 17, like this guy's got to last 20 games. If you're getting to the super bowl uh, at, at his size. So you could be right with Bryce young and it still doesn't right. work out because he's not available for you year after year. Uh, so but going really back to the numbers. Yeah, Go it does. Like going back to the number of two overall pick thing, RG3 may have turned into a pro bowler. You know what I mean? But he was a leaner guy too. And the league was new at accustoming running quarterbacks and how to use them. And his career is probably a lot different if it's not for injuries. Absolutely. Right, when right. you see, I think my mock draft, my next mock draft is going to not have as many quarterbacks high. I, I think I'm going to do a quarterback sliding mock draft because okay. I just feel like that every team's not going to love every quarterback like we're mocking them. Like we like the because it's never happened. Like if quarterbacks right. go one through four and someone trades into three and then that's that's wild. That's never happened. And this isn't the greatest quarterback class of all time. You know, yeah, this yeah. is not a Marino slid. You know what I mean? Right, right. Uh, yeah. I and, mean, it's not even Rivers, and, Eli and Ben or you right. know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. And I even look back to, to 2021 and Justin Fields. Uh, until Anthony Richardson showed up at the combine, Justin Fields had the most freak of nature, oh, arm yeah. talent, uh, athleticism. He ran a four. He had the belt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, right. Four flat at 6'3", 325 pounds, uh, deep ball accuracy, a cannon of an arm. 
and and he fell to pick 11. He had just barely less than what we've seen with Anthony Richardson as far as physical skills, but then had C.J. Stroud's production to go with it, and he went 11. He went 11, right, right, right. You know what I mean? And he's so, smart, and supposedly he's a good uh, interview, and he had no injury right. concerns or red flags that I knew of. You there, know, was right. a, there was After the draft, there was this epilepsy thing that, that people were talking about, and apparently he's been, you know, he has medication for epilepsy. It Was that enough to scare some teams off the Justin Fields? But I look at Justin Fields, and I would say, and that's why I love what the what the what the Bears did because right. it's like you you already have C.J. Stroud production with just about Anthony Richardson level athleticism and arm. You already have that guy, so keep developing that because that that would be the number one pick in this draft. If if college oh, version so. right. of Justin Fields is in this draft, to me, it'd be the the no brainer number one pick in this draft. And teams that have been traded up for him. So um, anyway, uh, but but you know what? It, it looks like C.J. Stroud. And Bryce Young do have that little something special. And even if they're not physical freaks, they're good quarterbacks. Uh, how much were they helped in college and they won't get that help in the NFL is a big question for me, especially with the Ohio State Alabama thing, because we've just seen so many of those quarterbacks that look great. And, oh, and yeah. go, go back and read Tua's scouting report. It, it sounds so much like Bryce Young's guy. He's just right? a little bit bigger, right? <laughs> Except he's thrown to Judy and those guys too, you know, right? Yeah, and and Justin Fields too was helped out with all his receivers. And and C.J. Stroud's got a, a top 10 probably NFL draft pick that was protecting his blind side in college. And yeah. he's got the guy who's going to be the first receiver taken next year. He was – all the scouts were buzzing about Marvin Harrison Jr. at the – Oh, he's better all of them. Right? Day. <laughs> and, right. and Jigba's going to be a first-rounder. So Stroud had a lot of right. help. And and Ryan Day, whatever he's doing over at Ohio State, I mean, they they just crush it every single year. Yeah, it's unbelievable. So – Last thing I got, though, too, is I'm starting to worry about Levis. You talked about doing your next mock and a guy dropping. Mm-hmm. I think he might drop. I, I don't know that he's going to be a top six pick, a top eight pick, especially with the Bears now at nine instead of the Panthers at nine, where the Panthers could have been a landing spot at nine. Chicago's not going to take him. Philly's not going to take him. Maybe he ends up falling to Tampa. Right. Or like, so the Titans at 11. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Justin Fields fell to 11. Cool. There's going to be one of those top four quarterbacks going to be there at 11. That, that's sort of that's yeah. where I'm at right now. I, th- I think that's decision we'll time. That's where the trends are going to go with the mock drafts. I was the first guy that I know of to put Trayvon Walker number one to the Jaguars last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm going to be the first guy that has a mock draft this year that has quarterbacks falling again uh, at post combine, I think, because I mean, it's going crazy with quarterbacks going one, two, three, four. I mean, it's, it's not going to happen. It can't happen, right? Right. Hey, lastly, I wish I thought of this, but I, I saw Daniel Jeremiah's mock that came out yesterday. Hendon Hooker to the Vikings late in the first round, mid, you know, in the twenties. I wish I thought of that and was the first one to put that on pen and paper because I think that's a phenomenal fit. Here's something we haven't seen yet in the mock draft that we will see: is Hendon Hooker going ahead of Levis? I can see that too. Or we're going to start hearing about people who are like, "Oh man, Anthony Richardson, yeah, you know, great season, great athlete," but we're not going to spend a number four pick on a right, one-year right, right. guy who doesn't have good tape except for the one game, two games. You, you can't draft a guy that high with, mm-hmm. with that little of a resume. So we might, we might start to hear that as well. But as you always say, it's lying season. Don't believe anything. I, but I think Hooker could end up in the first round and I wish I had put him there. You can't believe anything until draft morning. And then all of a sudden a bunch of truths. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, this. So there we go. Good stuff. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen. Check out your team-specific podcast because it is covered right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. No matter the sport, 
Locked on NFL Draft, Locked on Scouting with the Draft Dudes, all off-season long. Matt and I got you covered. Make sure you're subscribed up to our brand-new Peacock and Williamson YouTube channel. Matt and I back tomorrow. Draft rankings right here. Peacock and Williamson.